has the notes, but you like to sort of uh, have the movie discussion in the back half, right? Um, that was usually the way I was doing it. Although I think last time we, oh God, I can't even remember. <laughs> Did we start with the movie last time? I don't think so. I don't think we've started with a movie in, in a while. Okay. You're probably right. It's, it's so bad. It, I, I edit and then it immediately leaves my brain. Well, I mean, I don't listen to the show. I know. So I could be wrong. But I listened to it twice, and then it's just immediately gone. Like, it's so bad where I edit the show, and then I have to immediately do the the description copy, and I have to go back and look at the notes again just to see what we talked about, even though I just edited the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have complete goldfish brain, um, but I think you're right. Um it makes sense, right? Because if somebody's listening to the show, um, but they haven't seen the movie that we're talking about, then they can kind of just check out and there won't be anything that they miss afterwards. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, so then, hmm, so then do you want to start with, ooh, do we want to start with a mad watch? We could. Okay. I don't know if, if this one uh, <laughs> is worthy of beginning the show, but we can definitely okay. do it. Okay. All right. We could do that. Do you want um, to introduce the show first? I should probably do that first. Uh, hey, what's up? It's Dead and Road Show, episode 52. Season 2, I started doing that. Oh, did um, you? I did. So this is the word season 2. I, I don't know what two? it changes. Episode 2 of season 2. I mean, it's still 52. Uh, so we're keeping the whole that whole numbering. But yeah, um, season 2, I don't I don't know if it changes anything. <laughs> but I clicked I clicked the checkbox, so it's season two. We're we're going for that sophomore slump. Sure, yeah. Uh but yeah. Um we're gonna have a lot like a, a big, big old beautiful cinema in the second half. Uh a lot to talk about there. But uh first off, um I'm I'm kinda dreading this, but uh <laughs> we're gonna open with a mad watch. Yes we are. Yes so we you've are. Got, you've got some TikToks for us. Mm-hmm. It's been a little bit. Um mm-hmm. The thing is, like, my For You page has not been very uh, Mad Watch friendly. Mm. Not a whole lot that's come my way that sort of works uh, for this the segment or this the show here. But uh, I did round up a few things. Okay. Now, see, I was wondering if you had put this maybe on the back burner because um, we were at an event with your parents. That makes it... Okay, never mind. But, uh, and your mom was uh, describing a video she had seen online. <laughs> and I had, and I had said that this is an awful lot like Mad Watch. Um, no, I and don't think took, I even you registered took offense that. To that. Okay. Um, um, yeah, no, that's not why. <laughs> it's just I hadn't really there hadn't been much that I've seen that felt worthwhile. Okay. Not that anything we're about to hear is all that worthwhile, but <laughs> sure. I felt like I had to bring it back because it had uh-huh. been it had been a while. So sure. So we're gonna start out with. Uh, this video by you um, underscore Brecchia, who has uh, knowledge in a very um, specific area. Um, if this is another water sommelier, I'm... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Um, although it does have to do with uh, having particular taste. So let's just, uh, let's just take a look or a listen here. Every few months, a tweet like this about salt being the only delicious rock starts making the rounds and everybody I know sends it to me because I have an undergraduate degree in geology. I just want to clear up any confusion that people might have about the deliciousness of rocks because I have personally had hundreds of rocks and minerals in my mouth over the years for a variety of reasons that we're not going to get into today, but I promise you, salt is the only delicious rock. 
Some rocks are more flavorful than others, but in terms of tasty or delicious, it's it's just salt. Um, I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. So, is the rock and mouth sort of procedure was that was that for science? It has to be for science, right? Or or for entertainment. Well, sometimes you take a hands-on approach. Uh, sometimes you take a mouth-on approach. You know, mm, for your mm, for your mm-hmm. research. Um, you got to you have to utilize all your senses in the world of geology. Yeah. Um, dare I say, was it for pleasure? Um, you, you ever see like those clips from uh, what is it, My Strange Addiction or whatever? Right. Where people get addicted to eating like foam or whatever. So you think geology concrete. classes are the gateway to uh, rock tasting? No, I don't necessarily think it's it's uh, like that sort of trajectory. I, I think that this individual uh, maybe had a proclivity for eating rocks. And so in order to make that a productive sort of hobby, they went into geology. Oh, this is like a chicken or the egg scenario. It's it's rock eating or undergrad degree in geology. Yeah, which like, came you know first? How, you, yeah, it's like, but you know how like Dexter is a serial killer, and so then he, like he worked for the cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you you like to eat rocks, so then you become a geologist. Is my thinking here? Makes sense. I, I the funniest part to me about this is that the idea that every few months somebody on the internet thinks, man. I wonder how how many other tasty rocks are out there. I I think I I think we talked about gateway substances. I think it's I think this is just due to weed. I think you think so. Yeah, yeah I think I think somebody just gets high and like, how many rocks can you eat? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now is it is it um sort of a uh, let it sort of like savor it in your mouth and then spit it out, or are you swallowing? Because you can't chew, right? Uh yeah, no, you can't chew. You wouldn't have teeth. So I think I think it either is you have to like put it in to taste it or you do swallow it. And then if you swallow it, you're going to have some other complications afterwards. Ooh, yeah. Um, you have to have like an iron stomach, you know, to finish that whole experience. Uh, so I think it is mostly a tasting situation. So it turns into like DIY kidney stones. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So, this, you know, this is this is what I love about TikTok. You just you never know what you're going to learn about. Yeah. There's huh. always somebody with a question, and then there's somebody that has the expertise and can deliver an answer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, uh, you go on TikTok, you learn something new. Um, sometimes, however, you come across uh, some something like this. This is at DC Plate King. Um, yeah, I don't know how this ended up on my For You page, but it, it did. Okay. So we had that window open, the bottom part, because nice breeze coming through from the forest out back you see the forest of trees mm-hmm. well then they said it was going to rain so we closed the window because we thought it was going to rain and the rain and the wind would blow it inside onto that stock pot and the chairs and stuff and there's there's a pizza pan underneath the stock pot the rain would come in and splash down so we closed the window and we didn't really we didn't lock it because we open it so often when we closed it and then we got tricked because it didn't rain so i might go reopen it again and let the air start coming back into the house so. uh-huh uh-huh 
People are just lonely. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I, 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 um, I put a little note cause I have all the links ready for this segment and I have, I put a note, you know, just to remember which is which. And I have, this one is under close the window. <laughs> uh, yeah. People are just lonely. Um, he, he, he says we, and I don't think there's another soul living in the house. I think it's just him. Um, it could be a cat. Maybe, maybe he's got a cat. Um, yeah, what? Why are you putting this online? I looked at what? his profile, and this is like the one with the most uh, interaction. Because it's so, it's so, it's such a non sequitur. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 mundane talk, is what it is. Uh huh. I'm sure there has to be like a, a community full of just like the most mundane TikToks. Yeah, for other lonely for people. lonely people. <laughs> Which, hey, who am I to talk? Because this ended up TikTok, the algorithm <laughs> threw this in my direction. And they were like, this, you would enjoy this. So. Oh, my God. Well, I, you know, I opened the window and then I had to close the window. But then it turned out that I didn't need to close the window. And so that's how my life's going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Those forecasts, they can be tricky. Sure, sure. You got to look at the percentage. Yeah, yeah you got to. Yeah, you have to keep in mind the percentage. Um, it's just a forecast. Uh, they're not always hundred percent of the time correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you also shouldn't take it out on the forecasters. They're just they're doing their best. Not that this right. guy was, but I just you know want to throw that out there. He didn't seem very upset. No, no, just like mildly inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so concerts are a thing again. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's, you know, going to shows. It's very exciting. Uh, we're sort of putting the pandemic behind us, whether it still exists out in the in the, in the air or not, um, which it very much does. But um, so, yeah, I saw this. This was posted by Charlie XCX, and I'm assuming it's from one of Charlie's shows. Although it's it's really tough to tell uh, based just on the footage. But uh, yeah, people are going to concerts again, and they are. They're going hard, is, mm. is what I'll say. So here we go. Yeah, that person will not have a voice for the next week, at least. At least. Yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make out a single word. No, me neither. I think I recognize, like, the beat from, from one of her songs in the background, but you can't even, like, hear the artists. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to see, because it's, it's cathartic going to, uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is this person's first show in, like, three years. It has to be, right? Probably, Yeah. On the flip side, though, um, so, you know, that's happening at Charlie XCXOS, but there's there's ways to appreciate the music of Charlie in, in the comfort of your own home. Mm. OK, so so this is uh, this is by at Winona Earp's dad. Sure. <laughs> and so we have a nice little short um, accordion rendition of one of Charlie's songs that I wanted to throw in here. I think it's very good. Isn't Winona Earp's dad Wyatt Earp? Wyatt Earp, yes. OK, yeah. I like, I like, I like, I like, I like, I like everything about you. I like, I like, I like, I like, I like everything about you. I like, I like, I like, I like, I like everything about you. I like, I like, I like, I like, I like everything about you. I like, 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 I
See, this right here, this proves the brilliance of Charlie XDX because this song slaps an accordion and that is not easy to do. It's true. Uh, was there that, that awful Irish band we saw, did they also whip out an accordion or am I just, was it just a, a, a haze of, um, um alcohol well, and they had green. bagpipes. There's the bagpipes and that little whistle, but did they also try an accordion that you couldn't hear? It's possible. It's possible. There's a lot going on there. And I kind yeah. of like disassociated halfway through because I, I didn't, I just didn't want to be there. So, right. um, it's very I might've, I might've, I might've hallucinated an accordion. Uh, mm. but yeah hyper pop on accordion that's that's my new that's my new subgenre. Mm, mm-hmm. it's good stuff um anyway <laughs> um so this one doesn't work for audio and i i was like i just don't even don't even play it if it doesn't work for audio but you know what i'm gonna do it anyway um because okay. i was just talking about how you know concerts are happening covid you know it's it's to some people it's over right mm-hmm. well i feel like this video if, if there was ever an indication that COVID is no longer a concern, it's it's this video right here. This is uh, at uh, Mila Monet official. I, I would, maybe we could post this one in the show notes because uh, it, it does require a visual. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Let's see. Why? What the fuck? <laughs> Why? <laughs> So she's um, she's she's unlocking her uh, phone using the, um, you know, the four digit pin num- uh, method, but uh, not with her hands. Why? I mean, I'm pretty I'm, I'm impressed by it, to be honest. I've never seen uh, that type of control over one's own um, mouth fluid. <laughs> I think. OK, no, no. See, I think that she needs to go to a gastroenterologist because the. Um, hmm. The viscosity of the spit uh, tells me that she might have acid reflux. Okay. Well, you would know about that. I would know about that from experience. (laughs) (laughs) So she might need to be put on uh, an acid blocker. Mm -hmm. Um, But then how will she unlock her phone? She's got two hands right fucking there. (laughs) Right fucking there. Oh, my God. It's a hell of a party trick, though. I like that the ori- she uh, gives the original sound to her, but clearly in the background is wh- is that fucking Sugar Ray in the background? Yeah, well, that's just like what's playing what's the- on, on the you know at the bar that they're at. Hold on, what's the? I have to. Yeah, that's Sugar Ray. It's every morning by Sugar Ray. Mm-hmm. Every morning. Yeah, that's. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> so she's taking credit for Sugar Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real twist here is that it, it's actually not her phone. Oh. <laughs> no, see, no, see, that would be a trick. If she could psychically tell what somebody's uh, pin is, mm-hmm. but the only way she could open it was with her spit. <laughs> no, because the spit guides you to the correct oh, answer. okay. Yeah, yeah it's, like, yeah, a, it's yeah. like a Ouija board. It's like a... Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more I look at this, the grosser it's making me feel. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna close. I'm gonna close this tab. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, not great for an audio podcast, but if we can uh, get that link there, because I think that's that's worthwhile in there. That's, oh that's a good my one. god. Like I said, you never know. Never know when you log on to TikTok, which you're, which you're gonna sure. See. Um. So I did have just a couple more here. I did have this uh this one by at Dana Drudels, uh, who is discovering what's happening over on LinkedIn uh, for those who don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, I do have a LinkedIn account. I haven't used it in uh, some months, I would say. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Do other people know this? So I recently have come to terms with the fact that I need to get a job because I'm broke. And I went onto LinkedIn to update my resume for the first time in like eight years since I've been working freelance and for myself. Mm-hmm. People fucking like use LinkedIn. Like people are actively on LinkedIn, like have jobs already. I'm just blown away. (laughs) People talk about Facebook, but we need to talk about LinkedIn. Like Michael is now senior staff leader. The fuck is Michael? The girl I went to college with who I saw shotgun for Loco. She's a doctor. This guy um, quite literally broke into somebody's dorm room in college and bit their ear off. Mm. Um, but he's a business owner now, so. Oh, and Morgan Murphy, uh, she got promoted the other day. Immediately updated her LinkedIn. Is this a thing we do? Also, I had all these notifications that I hadn't seen in, like, years. Um, my my sweet, sweet mother endorsed me for, like, every skill possible. She said, I'm really good at PowerPoint. Thanks, Mom. Um... Yeah, I have had relatives endorse my skill set. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah, it's not, uh, it doesn't feel very good. Uh, mostly because they don't know that I can actually do those things. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really stupid website. Yeah, it's like people are just using it as a social media platform. Yeah, it, it's people trying to, like, build, like, a business brand. Mm-hmm. Um... But I don't think it actually leads to anything tangible, like at all. Yeah, I mean, I would expect, you know, Coca-Cola to have a pretty big LinkedIn presence, right? But I wouldn't, you know, an individual who is already employed, I just don't, I just don't get it. But maybe that's why yeah. people are more successful than I am. Yeah, it's it's very, it's very strange. Yeah. I would, I would try to like, like if I'd write an article, I'd try to post it on LinkedIn, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it just kind of felt like posting it on business Facebook, like... It's like the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a weird site. Yeah. The job, job searching is pretty bleak in general. Um, mm-hmm. Before we started recording, I was checking my email. So I, I applied to a job at a pretty big uh, corporation this week. Um, mm. It's not a retail position, but it is a retail company. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so they actually, they make, they have a, like a generic assessment that they make and every applicant take. And so it was just like a half hour of me, like weeding through questions about stuff I, I would never even encounter. Um, like loss and, prevention? Yeah. Yeah, essentially, and like customer service stuff, and like it, it really brought me back to when I did work retail. Um, sure. Which, like, that's whatever. But then I, I got an email, uh, an invitation to interview this morning, but it's a recorded interview. As in, as in, like I, they have some questions written out, and I record myself answering them and send them in. So, like your first, oh, that's point of, weird. Yeah, like your first point of contact with the company is not even with a real person, and that's just sad. That's weird. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm debating. I've, I'm debating whether to actually do that or not. I have not come into contact with that yet. Yeah, that's it just weird. Seems, it seems very, very awkward. Like the yeah, like the remote thing. I totally get it. Phone phone interview. You oh, know, absolutely. yeah, fine. Yeah. But to just send you a list of questions and then you have to record a voice memo and then they might listen to that. Yeah. Is that's really strange. It's funny because the job I applied for is in their HR department. It's like, oh, this is what their <laughs> HR department looks like. <laughs> so then you would be you would be sending people the list of questions. Oh, it's so fucking bleak. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I hate it so much. And by the way, there's I've still not seen a salary range or anything like that. 
So I've done I've done a half hour of, of answering questions that are unrelated to the position. Uh, they want me to use my time and not theirs on an interview, and I still don't know uh-huh. how much the the position actually pays. So you gotta love it. Y- yeah, it's fantastic. Oh my god. Um. Anyway, I do have one more. It's just this piece of uh, media criticism here that I saw on TikTok. Oh, we do that. We do. We do sometimes. Um, I, I, this may, this is, I mean, you might be like, this sounds obvious, but it makes sense. Um, this is a good observation. I liked it. It was, this is uh, by um, at Lucy Marie, little Lucy Marie on TikTok. I was thinking to myself yesterday that we should have a name for the genre of media. That's something that has a good message, but frequently gets misinterpreted by people who get something weird out of it. Three things that I could think of off the top of my head were Scott Pilgrim versus the world, Rick and Morty and 500 Days of Summer. Just in these specific examples, I think the thing they have in common is that a man will watch them and they'll kind of take the flawed male character who you're maybe supposed to learn a lesson from or who you're not necessarily supposed to align yourself with and they'll come out of it thinking that he's the hero. The protagonists in these vary, obviously, massively. It's really interesting, though, where the creator will give you characters who you're not necessarily supposed to think are great or you're supposed to be able to learn something from their mistakes and there are people who will still watch it and think god i'm just like them or i would love to be just like them someone thinks that scott pilgrim is the hero or that summer and 500 Davis summer was a bitch rick is the hero of rick and morty everyone else is watching thinking how did you get that out of it um i mean i'm sure there's probably a tv trope page for this mm-hmm, yeah uh but I do have an issue with the Rick and Morty one. Okay. Because, and I, I've long stopped watching that program long, long ago. But uh, the show stopped uh, its whole, like, oh, Rick is actually a piece of shit thing. Like, Oh, yeah, I guess I didn't make it far enough into that either. You, you really, you really even didn't have to get, like, that far for it to start, like, for them to start, like, endorsing his, like, behavior. Really? Um. Yeah. Like, he doesn't actually get punished for you know, the things that he does. Uh, and it's like, look how cool he actually is. Um, so I have an issue with that one specifically. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that like the way that the show uh, approaches that character itself makes it easier for um, weirdo nerd dudes to uh, take that interpretation away that like, oh yeah, this character is such a badass uh, and doesn't care and all that shit. And nihilism is, is fun and cool whenever you're quirky. Um, so yeah, I just have an issue with that one. Yeah, but isn't his whole thing that he's, like, wasted all the time and he's, like, putting his, uh, like, grandson in these terribly dangerous situations and he's, like, causing chaos all everywhere he goes? Yeah, but he's smarter than everybody else and he uh, has he has the solution and everybody around him is too stupid to do things. Okay, so that's not actually a fan interpretation and that's just, like, the show. Yeah. Okay. But you could also take the interpretation away that he is a piece of shit that's putting everyone around him in danger. Sure, sure. But that's not what the show endorses. Mm-hmm. Like they attempted to in like what season two, I guess. Yeah, I didn't make it that far. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think I watched like season three, and it was like, oh, they they kind of don't want to actually develop these characters anymore. Okay, cool. I think the um, larger point is it stands though, because I I do think this is what happens to a lot of um, like works where the sort of uh, fan base can sort of construe it in a way that makes the like the show or film or whatever look a certain way when but then you actually sit down and watch it and you're like well no this is not what you're supposed to be taking away from this. I think I think this is just uh, people having very poor media literacy in general. Yeah, like, that's fair. Like you get to the point where people. Th- 
think that Walter White was, you know, justified in what he does and was a really cool guy. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, not to not to single out Reddit specifically, but the, it does feel like a very Reddit type of thing to sort of take an interpretation and just like turn it into like, I don't know, just like construe it and like turn it into like the show's identity. I mean, it was it was a very Internet thing, like a lot of people that watch that show, like just like r- r- average people were like, oh, Skyler's a bitch and Walter White is justified in his, uh, you know, production of meth and murder. Yeah, I, I remember because I was sort of late to, to Breaking Bad. I watched it after the series had already ended. And I remember hearing a lot about how like uh, a lot of fans didn't like Skyler. Um, I didn't know why going in. And by the end of the series, I still didn't understand why. Like it, it right. just very bizarre. Um, like honestly, the character didn't even have that much screen time. And, and, and she uh, amassed such like hatred by the fan base it was absurd because she was one of the very few light light obstacles in waltz and waltz way yeah and that was basically it and she was a woman and And so that was a woman yeah and that was was it um so i I think i feel like there was like a similar reaction to uh like lydia that like side character that was in the last couple seasons Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. um so yeah but i i I really do think this is like just down to basic like lack of media basic literacy because um if you lose if you lose such broad points that uh scott pilgrim's an ass you know Mm -hmm. like that makes it very clear like in the movie um Right. Like I guess it 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 it's um maybe less so because he gets the girl in the end, right? Um but then it's just sort of this point it's like, well, no, you realize that she her she has horrible taste in men as seen by this whole uh cavalcade of really douchey ex-boyfriends. Um and so that's just continuing. Now he's just another one of those. Mm-hmm. Um but people don't pick up on that for whatever reason. Just just because a character is uh the main character does not mean that they are <laughs> morally correct in the choices that they make or the way that they present themselves. Like it's, it feels like such a basic thing, but no, people don't pick up on that. Yeah. Especially when like the entire like last decade plus of television has revolved around the, the anti-hero like dominantly, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. People see that and they think that's like, oh no, he's the hero, but uh, he kind of does some bad things. Like that's right. That's, that's right. what they think an anti-hero means. <laughs> Uh, yeah but anyway so that's what i had this week on on mad watch nice um now we kind of mentioned uh some social media stuff with the lovely tiktok about linkedin Mm -hmm. um and this is something i've been thinking about uh especially this last week with um the twitter bullshit um you know a lot of people are uh not realizing, but they've known that the platform is bad uh, and it'll either stay just as bad or become more bad, right? There's not really a, a world in which uh, it becomes <laughs> better and <laughs> healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I've seen a lot of people um, trying to come up with alternative uh, avenues um, and uh, places that uh, you can go online where you could actually like find the content that you're looking for. Um, and it seems like none of the alternatives are actually like fitting like people's specific needs. Um, and so I was thinking about this as a uh, like as a creative person where um, 
like trying to find a place where you could actually like share your shit and then have people that could potentially be interested in finding it that like being, being able to see it is like doesn't really exist mm-hmm. um like if you try to put something out on twitter it's just sort of shouting into the void um and if you try to pay twitter to promote it uh you get a bunch of people who don't want to see it seeing it um and the same is true for facebook um and then facebook will ban you for even paying for advertising for whatever reason (laughs) yeah um and it's like they're all owned by evil billionaires right there's no there's no there's no um getting around that um but it's just it's just really frustrating to see that none of the none of the platforms work in a way that is conducive to like actually sharing shit is really my um concern yeah i mean instead of of addressing that we are talking about this made up free speech problem Mm -hmm. this thing that doesn't isn't actually a problem except for um like in the case of of twitter and i guess most platforms it's it's marginalized groups that end up taking the brunt of any sort of um restrictions or even like lack of restrictions right yeah um, cause like with the whole Elon discourse, it's, he is, he has made up a problem and he's made up a solution to the problem that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's all that anybody's talking about. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's the same conservative line of they, they feel like they're being persecuted for something. It, it's, it's, it's the shadow banning. It's, they're being silenced by, uh, leftist big tech, which is not a fucking thing. Um, but the numbers don't back it up. Like some of the biggest accounts on Twitter are right-wing whack jobs. The the most shared pages on Facebook are all right-wing. Like there is no silencing or censorship going on. Uh, like it, it's, it's so fucking backwards and they know it is. And that's not even the point. The funniest thing is that he's spending all of this money uh, just because like, it, it's, it's like, a, it's like a failed comedian, like, um, like buying out the venue where he's bombing in. Like <laughs> he, he thinks that he's good at Twitter. And so now he like wants to own Twitter. Uh, it's just an ego thing. Completely. It's an ego thing, or maybe it's a midlife crisis as I've seen uh, people, people call it. Yeah. He got, he got dumped by Grimes and now he's going through this whole, <laughs> whatever the fuck it is. Uh, it's just, it's just whatever. But like, like, I don't, like, I care like so little about that anyway. Um, because everybody has known that the, uh, the Twitter sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like nobody likes Twitter, you know? Um, it's just that it was the, uh, only, uh, alternative to like quickly get news and to what you thought you were like sharing either the things that you made or, you know, whatever. Um, and for media types, it was actually like one of the only ways you could properly network because LinkedIn is <laughs> not a, not a proper way to network. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, maybe some people are going to leave over the Musk thing. Maybe people are not. I've seen a whole lot less activity over the last week than I usually do on Twitter. So there's that. Um, honestly, like I predict that, uh, it's not going to go well. Uh, mostly because Twitter does not make money. It's just valued at billions of dollars. Like it does not actually return any of that money, which is why they've gone so hard on advertising and their new subscription, whatever. Like Twitter has never actually made any money back. Um, 
So this it's not going to go well. It, he's not going to make money back on it. And he's either going to destroy it and like to scrap it for parts or, you know, try to introduce services in order to make money back. Like he's already talking about um, you have to pay money to quote retweet somebody like it's like, oh, yeah, that'll that'll solve it. Um, so every single idea that he's put out there has sounded absolutely terrible, like as from a usability standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not, not like even talking dangerous. about like, yeah, like not even talking about the moderation, just like as, as a, as an average user, like not even the political angle, not even the culture war bullshit, mm-hmm. just as a user of the platform would be terrible. It would make you not want to use the platform. Um, so it's like there, what, what are, what are the alternatives to this? Like everything has been siloed into two gigantic companies, I guess three, um, you know, like you have Instagram, which is Facebook, but that's only uh, photos and quick videos because everything's got to be a quick video now. Um, Facebook, which is garbage and for old people, uh, you had Twitter um, and then you have TikTok, which is just short videos. And that's that's basically it. Yeah, right? and it, it's it is, and it's really bleak because, like, I I listen to and I, and I read uh, the Verge and its its podcast, like the tech website. Yeah, and it just seems like every week what it amounts to is just that, like them discussing another billionaire and and his his or her antics, his most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just it's so monopolized. It's there's so there's so there's such a lack of competition and and like a lack of like agency on the part of the consumer. Um, it's just uh, it feels dystopian. Oh yeah, like listening totally. to the news cycle in tech right now. It's just like what is this billionaire doing? What is this billionaire doing? You know, it, it's 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 very um, upsetting, mm-hmm. <laughs> frankly. Uh, and it hasn't gotten any better, obviously, in the last few weeks with with the whole Elon thing. Yeah, and so I was I was thinking about like what would be a good platform for me, like with the for the same the same reasons I outlined. Like I don't I don't use a social network as a way to share personal shit because I'm like a very privacy minded, you know, uh, paranoid whatever you want to call me, same uh, yeah. person. Um, so like, I want to share the shit that I make, like that is, that is what I want it, want it to be for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about that and, th- and then I also want to see shit that I'm interested in. And I was thinking back and I was like, well, the only reason I was ever on Facebook was because I lost a bet with my fucking high school girlfriend. So that was the only ever reason I got onto Facebook. So it's mm-hmm. like, I didn't really ever use Facebook. Uh, and so then there was Twitter and then I was like, oh, wait, Tumblr was a thing. And I was thinking back on Tumblr and I was like, Tumblr was actually OK, like in the grand scheme of things. Like you were able to share multimedia. The discoverability was actually pretty damn good. Like the tagging system, you could search for tags and find relevant content based on those tags instead of like Twitter. Hashtags don't actually mean anything. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, like the way that the way that um content is filtered and searched for is just that's not how it even operates anymore like hashtags are not relevant yeah and on 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 tiktok uh when you tag stuff it's for visibility so it's like whatever the like sponsored trend is that day so it's like you could have somebody talking about depression and the tag underneath is like you know uh frosted flakes or something like it's just completely absurd um right which like i I mean there are ways obviously to search for things on tiktok but that aspect of it makes it uh kind of like convoluted yeah but tumblr like you you wanted to properly tag your posts because that was how they would get seen Mm -hmm. because people would be searching for the tags for things that they were interested in um 
and I wasn't like a, a, a Tumblr like power user or whatever, but I had like a good following and I followed some some cool people that actually eventually I followed off site and like we didn't talk or whatever. Like we didn't become friends or anything, but like I followed like followed them on Twitter afterwards and like added some of them to PSN and shit like that. Um, but like the thing with all these other sites is they don't want you to leave the site at all, you know? Like mm-hmm. they don't want they don't want you promoting things that are not on their site, which is why Instagram now does video and live streaming and all this other shit. And, uh, you know, Facebook does video and live streaming and everything else. And they all want to be the only place you go to. Um, and, you know, Twitter did their whole like now they're doing audio uh, streams, whatever the fuck that shit is. And they had Vine and they cut, you know, they they got rid of Vine Uh then they probably have live streaming. It's, uh, you know, like they don't want you to leave the uh, the main site. And this is why people, the, the new thing, it, or, or like I guess the more recent thing is um, whenever you tweet, you're not supposed to include the link to whatever you're trying to promote in the first tweet. You're supposed to reply with the link of whatever you're trying to promote because it's supposed to be better for the algorithm. <laughs> so like if you're, if you're like trying to promote out that you're, you have a stream coming up on Twitch... You would say like, hey, I'm streaming. And then you'd like maybe post a photo or something. And then you'd reply to that with the link to the stream. And that is because the reply is going to be less visible than the original, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're essentially but, burying your own promotion. Yeah, but you still want people to be able to have the link accessible. But Because mm-hmm. if you only if you included the link in that first tweet, the whole thing would get buried. Um, now, wow. and, and this is probably a reason why I don't do well in anything that I do is that I don't follow that shit because I think it's really dumb. Like if I want people to click on a link, I'm going to include it in the first tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's there's a lot of YouTube shit like that that I also don't follow, like with thumbnails and like like technically like the, the algorithm for YouTube is like you're supposed to have separate channels for clips and for live stream VODs and all that shit. And like technically, like the podcast should have its own separate YouTube channel for the algorithm. But I think that's really dumb. I think it's I think it's really dumb. I think everything that you sh- you make, if somebody's interested in the stuff that you make, they should only have to go to one channel. It's called a channel, not like, you know, one thing. I think that anyway, that, that that's a tangent. But um, but like Tumblr, like the discoverability was really good. Um, and it like they didn't give a shit if you were. Like you could link to Spotify playlists or just like straight up songs or you could upload audio and like, you know, uh, it was really good for images. Like you could uh, upload high quality images and uh, and video like they didn't give a shit if you were like sharing stuff from YouTube or, you know, all these other different sites. It was just more like uh, like an aggregate and it was like so easy to share things. Um and it really like made me sort of miss that whole thing. Like I didn't get into whatever, like all the weirdo fandom Tumblr bullshit. Like, and that was what was nice about it was that you could like segregate yourself away from like shit you didn't want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like all the, all the, all the Sherlock, uh, you know, supernatural bullshit. Like <laughs> I didn't want to be, I don't want to be involved in that in any way whatsoever. Yeah. The, the fandoms on Tumblr went, went very hard. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't want to have anything to do with that. So, like, I followed a bunch of people that liked Alkaline Trio, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, so, so, like, you could find, like, what you were looking for on there. Um, and it was really good at it. Um, but then everybody just kind of, like, at the same time, just kind of stopped using it. Um, because, so, like, I was I was kind of, like, thinking about it, reminiscing on this. And so I logged back into my account for the first time since, like, maybe 2015. Um, 
And there's maybe like two people I follow that are still like actively using it. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I was going through like the accounts that I followed and it seemed like everybody stopped using it around 2015, 2016. Like there was just sort of, I, I don't know what it was, but like just around that time, everybody stopped. Um, they graduated from university. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, there's, there's currently not uh, a, a platform that like has that same discoverability and like doesn't give a shit if you're sharing things outside of itself. Well, um, um, the, the one thing that caught my attention about Tumblr uh, a couple years ago now, because I really hadn't thought about Tumblr much, uh, basically since the, the time you were talking about, um, was that they made the news because there was uh, an attempt to crack down on child pornography on the site. Right. And so their response to that was to essentially remove the option to post like any sort of explicit content on, yeah. on the platform, which I don't know is still if that's still like I, th I think it is. Ooh, yeah, because that that like obviously it's it's trying to get rid of a very serious problem. Um, yeah, which you can appreciate, but at the same time, like that takes away from like a lot of a lot of stuff, like a lot of legitimate stuff that was posted on Tumblr that that would fall under that explicit category, and that sort of like I'm sure alienated a good portion of its users. Yeah, and so I think so that that was just like a, such a drastic solution. Mm -hmm. to a, a problem that they either didn't know how or like didn't want to take these like appropriate steps to solve um and because like as somebody that used tumblr at like towards the end of high school um and at the time had followed other people that were in high school uh mm -hmm. yes <laughs> let me just say yes it was an issue where you had people that were minors who were posting uh material they probably shouldn't have been right um and so i think it got to a point where sometimes it was just hard to know who was of age and who wasn't that would be posting shit uh, yeah it's interesting right because like uh, another another site that made the news i want to say in 2020 um for a similar thing was pornhub right mm -hmm. because um they had similar issue uh child pornography minors unauthorized videos all that stuff and their solution was basically to wipe out like i don't know 75% of their entire um like library of videos mm -hmm. uh and restrict it to only verified accounts that could post um mm -hmm. which seems like at first it's a very drastic move but it seems like a pretty reasonable um response yeah Right. Um, I, I don't really know how, how well that's gone in the past two years, but um, it seems like a better response than just being like, no, you can't post anything explicit, even if you are like of legal age or regardless of context. Right. Right. Because um, some yeah. people's entire like Tumblr uh, existence like w relied on like explicit content, and it yeah, would there, be... there there were a lot of porn blogs. Yeah, it, that's exactly that's what I'm trying to get to, and, and like for for whatever reason, like talking my way around it. But yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know what like the correct solution would have been for Tumblr, but like you say, it does seem it did seem like a drastic thing. Yeah, I, th I uh, one potential solution would have been to just go eighteen up. Yeah, and you know, verify that whether that you did a strict verification like Pornhub does, which is probably you have to submit photos and an ID and mm -hmm. uh, you have to wait a couple days <laughs> for that to get processed, which is what I assume happens. Um, or you just do scouts honor and say that you're 18. Like, I, I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, that happened and that probably killed a bunch. Like I was already done with the site by then. Cause that was like what 2018 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, this seems like it was sort of like the death blow, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, which again, to, to, to reiterate, it, it's great, you know, attempting to, um, to rid your platform of the illegal, awful, exploitative shit on it. But, uh, just the, the way that you go about it, it, it you know, yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but, uh, I, I, I do think that there was a difference between the Tumblr problem and like the Pornhub problem where the Pornhub problem was like a lot of revenge porn and stuff like that. Like mm, Pornhub, mm-hmm. Pornhub had cases against them for hosting revenge porn. Um, whether unknowingly or not, whatever, they still had it up and they still, it was easy to upload that shit. And, and wasn't um, their issue also tied to um, like credit card vendors? They were like threatening to remove their, um, their, yeah. their like visa and whatever were, were threatening to pull out of, uh, <laughs> to use that term, but do you know what I mean? To, yeah, to, yeah. to stop, to stop like working with Pornhub, right? So they had yeah, to they're like, like oh, with a solution. Oh, you deal with child porn? Uh, yeah, no, we're not going to go near you. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of course in the capitalist society, it comes down to money that's going to end up forcing a company's hand to, to uh, solve a problem. Yeah. And the, the, but on the flip side, the Tumblr thing was that it was users who were just willingly putting content of themselves up. Right. Um, and like I said, as somebody that was on the site in high school you with other high schoolers, yeah. I saw it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it was, it was an issue, <laughs> but it wasn't like, uh, I would say the same as, um, like the revenge porn or like produced, I say produced, like it's like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like child porn. You know what I mean? It was right. just it was just minors um, expressing themselves the wrong way where they should not mm-hmm. have been doing that. Mm-hmm. It, it should have been kept uh, off the fucking Internet. Which like this is the flip side to trying to find like an open platform where you can like, you know, find it, find your audience and post what you want. It's like this is the downside to that. Right. Like if yeah. you don't have that amount of moderation then you're going to run into issues like this. Right. And and Tumblr never really did anything with moderation where they so that that was that, that that's why they just decided like okay, fine, there's just nothing. You cannot show. I think the thing was uh female presenting nipples was the was the way that they worded it, which was they worded like it meme. that way in like the legal term in like the legal language. In like their terms of service. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, if you have if you have nipples that look female, uh Whatever the fuck that means. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Tumblr's other problem was that they also didn't know how to monetize the site. Right. Like, I, I don't really think there was ads and it was like kind of hard to advertise on that. So like there was no, it never really made money and that's why it was passed around. I think Yahoo owned it once and then Verizon bought Yahoo and then I think it was sold to like some Russian company or something. Um, so yeah, it was, it was passed around a lot and I don't even, I don't even know what its current status is even though I logged on. Um, it was kind of the same as it always was. I only used the mobile app uh, when I just like peeked in to check what was going on. Um, but yeah, it's rough. There's yeah, not uh, really one more good thing place. about um, the Elon situation. Mm-hmm. 
somebody pointed this out this week. Uh, so he's on about free speech and how he's bringing free speech to Twitter. Yeah. Right. Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. And at Tesla, he has a history of um, when employees would speak about speak out um, publicly about like the racism and the harassment that was happening at Elon's company. Mm-hmm. They would find themselves fired from right. the company, um, which that's that's a hell of a thing for <laughs> for someone to do that and then go talk about how he wants free speech. Mm hmm. And then I saw yesterday the um, the public citizen uh, Twitter account was like, so is this, is this what Elon means by free speech? And they posted a, a, a screenshot of how he has blocked them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the hypocrisy knows no no ends with with Elon Musk. Uh, yeah, I just there's there's not really a universe in which the site uh, gets better because it was already bad to begin with. That's the thing. Um, and this is not just like. Uh, leftists freaking out. It's just like, oh, this this site was bad. It was already owned by bad billionaires, and it will continue to be owned by bad billionaires, and just might get worse. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it amounts to. It can only go in um, one direction. Right. Exactly. So that's just what I wanted to talk about. Um, we got uh, some cinema to talk about. So yes, we do. That's beautiful cinema. Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, David. Uh, so this week uh, we're watching the scary of sixty first which is uh, sort of like an independent horror movie uh, available on Shudder. Um, and the plot plot is really, really simple setup. Um, two friends uh, move into a new apartment and they quickly discover that it was uh, owned by Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and, and events ensue. <laughs> they receive so, a knock um, on their door um, by someone who is quite interested in the former owner and uh and sort of drags at least one of the roommates down a sort of rabbit hole into conspiracy theories mm-hmm. um, well the other so the other roommate uh has some problems some problems of her own so <laughs> she's dealing with something um so yeah so uh so i'm very curious how you how you found this um yeah i i enjoyed it quite a bit um this is one that definitely would have gotten by me had you not brought it up i'm I'm definitely glad that you uh Mm. suggested it and that we watched it um i had a good time i thought it was very funny yeah me too (laughs) um like intentionally (laughs) funny yeah um i thought it handled its its subject matter pretty well because like you're making a horror movie about um, the Jeffrey Epstein case. That can that can be some dangerous water to to sort of go into because like it can get exploitative pretty pretty easily, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're taking like a real life crime um, and you're making like this campy horror story out of it. Um, but I think they they avoided that by making the targets of the film like Ep- Epstein himself and like the super wealthy dudes who could just like can run around and do whatever they want, right? Mm-hmm. And then the very conspiracy theory obsessed people that really just like lose their minds over these types of yes. cases. Like those yeah. were the two targets of the movie mm-hmm. and um yeah i, I thought they <laughs> i thought the film took both both sides down pretty pretty well yeah um yeah i was not expecting it to be as funny as it was mm-hmm. um it was almost more of a comedy than a horror film it was um yeah <laughs> uh yeah there's there's so many great lines um like the <laughs> <laughs> what what was the thing about the royals where uh the 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 one roommate was like uh who you're a cuck for the or what was it uh 
I, w- I think I know what you're talking about. I wish I had written down some of the lines because they were very, very good, but I can't recall them now. You know, it's like you're you're a cuck bootlicker for the Royals or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and oh, and then and then the other one replies like, uh, "There's being an Anglophile, but but a pedophile." Right. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, and then I'm convinced that uh, the Greg character, who is one of the characters' boyfriends was just supposed to be cousin Greg from Secession. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because last week you mentioned how uh, the director and the star of this movie, uh, Dasha Nekrasova, yeah. is in the third season of Succession and has she some is. involvement with cousin Greg, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So to see this like knockoff version of Greg in this movie was very odd and, and yeah. pretty funny. It was, it was like, yeah, like Walmart version Cousin Greg. Completely. 100%. And he's named Greg. And he's named Greg, yeah. So I was like, okay, Has like fine, the same, sure. the same like voice, the same mannerisms, pretty much the same look. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. very odd. And it has to, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it has to be intentional. It has to be. It's like, or this is like just such a, a type of New York dude. Oh, that's possible. But then it's, he's also named Greg. Because to be fair, this was filmed probably pre-pandemic, I'm assuming. Um, I I would imagine, yeah. And so it probably came before she was on Succession. Um, Well, I don't know when that season was filmed, but... um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, But regardless, yeah, it was a funny thing, whether it's a coincidence or not. Yeah, because it could could just easily uh, drop Cousin Greg in there. You could. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I'd like to think that Cousin Greg has a little bit more... Um, well, he's a better actor, but... Uh, <laughs> well, sure, sure. <laughs> but this this guy was very much playing, like, the stereotypically, like, shitty boyfriend, right? Yes. The yes. one who doesn't really pay attention to, um, to his girlfriend or, like, really care about anything outside of, like, what directly involves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, very dismissive, very, like, in his own worlds. Yeah. Like, there's that whole sequence where she's describing this horrific nightmare that she had the night before where she's basically like lifted up at like in a um like a uh what was that was the movie the um oh my god it's like a very very popular horror movie with the uh i'm like blanking completely what like the exorcist J- jesus christ yes um <laughs> she's like lifted up like the exorcist before she wakes up like it was just this this, this really like nightmarish thing and he like just doesn't give a shit as she's yeah, describing mm-hmm. she's like he's like stop taking ambien <laughs> Yeah, I love that he also had earmuffs on, like while yes. <laughs> while yes. he's supposed to be listening. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I liked the like the the film is shot as if it's um like a seventies horror film. Yes, very uh, much so. From like the film grain, I don't know if it was shot on film, but like it has that uh, aesthetic to the uh, like the film quality. Um, She's very and, much doing a similar thing as um, what's his name, Ty West. Mm, mm, it's mm. like Ty West is is uh, doing that sort of like seventies homage type of, of filmmaking, and I think Dasha's style is is very in line with that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this takes it further too, like with the dialogue and the um, sort of uh, just like uh, contrived coincidences of the you know the plotting and everything else and um just 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 like the campiness of it too um yeah you mentioned the dialogue there was one thing that was kind of jarring to me was um some of the lines in this felt like they were written in the early 2000s in that there was some like some choice of language that you really just don't hear anymore and for good reason too like there was a handful (laughs) of r r word drops by these characters yeah 
that I'm like, oh, um, okay. Like it's and one an F thing. Slur. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so you're having these characters say it. That doesn't necessarily mean that you yourself as like the writer would say it, but at the same time, it just felt very unnecessary. Yeah. I, so I didn't know if that was going to be in here. Um, but, uh, so based off of the um, sort of philosophy of this group of like, well, I guess maybe formerly leftist uh, people, um, they're very anti-political uh, correctness. Well, when you say formerly leftist, I don't. I, you mentioned last okay. week that Dasha is like the host of a uh, a leftist podcast, right? Yes. So I don't know all the details. There's some weirdness where like uh, they they are now hanging around with like alt-right people and have also i think one of them is like now converted to catholicism and is doing like trad shit so i don't i don't know i don't know all the details uh (laughs) that's quite a that's quite a turn to take yeah so what i think here's here's what i think and like my take on this is that they come from very wealthy new york backgrounds and so they just try to do what's controversial and so a few years ago, it was controversial to be communist. And now it's kind of controversial to be like trad alt-right. Mm, that's that, interesting. That's, how I, that's yeah. how I see it. Because like when it comes to this movie specifically, like a lot of it hinges on how much you are trying to like skewer these characters, mm-hmm. <laughs> like for being like ridiculous and privileged and, and frankly stupid at times. Yeah. Um, So now I'm wondering, like, how much of the comedy of it, how much of, like, the commentary of, like, the sort of, like, obsessed conspiracy theorist, uh, the one that, you know, lives in New York City but doesn't pay rent because parents do Mm -hmm. it for them. And and that whole thing, I wonder how much of that was, like, intentionally taking jabs versus how much of it was, like, just part of, like, the identity of the the screenwriters. Um, There's there's a lot of irony, and it's hard to tell exactly how much Mm -hmm. and how much you can apply to it. Like, uh, this, like, area of leftists are also, like, incredibly obsessed with the whole Epstein thing. Um, And so it's, like, sometimes they're, like, ironically obsessed, and sometimes they are actually, like, deeply into it. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to tell how much... Like this is just skewering that, or if it's like like what on what spectrum this might fall, right? You even have that um, one scene where uh, the roommate first learns about like how the other roommate and and her new um, investigative partner are like looking like going down this rabbit hole. She's like, "Well, do, do you care about the Epstein case?" And she's like, "Yeah, of course I do." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, whenever she's introduced, she's like, "Do you know about Jeffrey Epstein?" And she he she says. The billionaire, like that's, like that's that, like that, as if that's what he's known for. Yeah. At this point, um. So yeah, it, it's 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 uh it's tough to decipher like how much irony should be applied, and I think that is also intentional, um, because like this level of irony is often used to like obfuscate uh the true feelings of whoever is producing it mm-hmm. um and my limited knowledge of like th- these these groups of um people is that they they often use that uh to that effect um i see so yeah so yeah so like the, the, there, there are a group of leftists like similar to this that are very obsessed with the whole epstein thing um because it's, it's almost like that um you know the meme of like the two muscle men with the with like 
you know, they're shaking hands. And so that's that's one side. It's like leftists and then it's like conservatives and it's mm-hmm. like hating hating the Clintons. It's like <laughs> so like, uh, yeah. Yeah, because because you mentioned that and like the my knowledge of like the Epstein case and like the everything they were like looking into in this film is very like surface level. Like I could follow it. Mm-hmm. But I have not really done any like research I'd, myself or anything. Um, but like, I don't a lot feel like of it, you necessarily need to. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. Um, but to me, what it sounded like, some of the stuff they were talking about sounded like was like QAnon ish. Yeah. Because yeah, they're talking definitely. about like the elites and they're like secret like pedophile rings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, mm-hmm. this sounds a lot like the far right conspiracy theories, which I guess is kind of like what you're talking about, right? Like it's. Yeah, it's it's almost like they're two sides of the same coin. Well, she says at one point, "Have you heard of Pizzagate?" Yes, yeah, which so, was a very funny line. Yeah, <laughs> the way um, it was delivered. But yeah, that that mm-hmm. speaks to that uh, even further. So yeah, so there 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 is a blending here where I think it's at at once taking aim at this this train of leftists that like won't shut up about Epstein, um, and then also like the QAnon like the the, the QAnon like. Not the theories, but the fucking mindset, that brain that becomes susceptible to that all-consuming thought where you just keep going and going and going. And then so now it's not this one dude. It's now it's all the elites in this cabal. And then it's like this 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 character was apparently so convinced that it was the Clintons. And then she meets somebody that says, no, it was the royals. And then she immediately believes her. Mm-hmm. Well, who, and this person didn't even know about the conspiracy until like four hours ago and now she's like oh my god you're right it's the royals like just so just like that it it shows how that thinking goes um really well i feel like yeah it it, it's like i'm kind of hung up now on like the actual background of the filmmakers but i think there is a level of self-awareness there that Mm -hmm. it does make the movie work yeah um yeah that's that's the issue is that it's hard to know um and like i said i i only have a very minimal knowledge of of the two the other host of that podcast um is the one who cameos as uh jelaine maxwell <laughs> oh you mean the who had a cameo in this movie <laughs> oh you're saying oh it actually was the cat for some reason yes my mind went to uh so so this is what i was thinking this person is doing the you know the cameo platform she's oh, she's no. She's filming cameos as Jolene Maxwell. <laughs> Jesus. No, she plays Jolene in this film. Okay, that makes yeah. a lot more sense. There we go. Yeah. Um, which I didn't know how you're supposed to take that in the movie. Um, I think it just feeds into like these two are just so far gone at this point that they're seeing somebody on the street that isn't even like that person. Well, see, that's what I thought at first, but she's credited in the credits. What do you mean? As as Jelaine Maxwell. Oh, well, OK, so I guess they, they, <laughs> they could have put like uh, fake Jane woman. Maxwell or like woman or Jane Maxwell lookalike or something. Right. Yeah. That's funny. I didn't I didn't watch the credits. Um, so, yeah, yeah inten- so that, intentionality here is is a, a lot of what interests me about this movie now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, what did you think about the way it like everything came to a head and the way it ended? I mean, I guess we can get into like the spoilers of the ending and everything at this point. Um, I, 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 I did think it was really funny that it basically ends with cease your investigations. Yeah, I just I just thought that was funny. <laughs> um. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it it 
being maybe a hallucination or whatever. Um, well, it's either a hallucination or they cleaned everything up before she got back and and, and left that letter for her. <laughs> in 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, we don't know how far away the print shop is. I guess that's true. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So like, because before, before it was potentially revealed that it didn't happen, um, my theory was that... So they're in this apartment. The the blonde roommate is now possessed or acting like um one of the god, one of the underage victims. Mm-hmm. Um now that they're back in the apartment, um the brunette roommate is now acting like Jelaine and then the realtor guy was Epstein. Mm-hmm. Like like now they're stand-ins for this. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Um but then whenever that maybe didn't happen now I don't know how to take that. Right. Because and I guess wh- like I guess like the way you interpret it also speaks to how how much like credibility are are the filmmakers giving these uh conspiracy theory obsessed people, right? Right. Cuz like how like how what, what we're supposed to take away from the movie really I, it could go either way. I really don't know. Yeah. Conspiracy theorists who are also uh taking methamphetamines. True. <laughs> Um, you know, it's weird. Nothing ever really came of the strange apartment structure that they spent a good little while on the beginning of the movie where like the one roommate, her, the the bedrooms are both connected, but there's also two exits and each has like its own like lock and key. And like one of them you have to get, you have to like either travel through the other person's bedroom to exit or you can go out this like separate. It was a very creepy uh, setting for a horror yeah. film, right? But it never yeah. really came into play, which I thought was strange. I was expecting more, but it kind of did, where, like, the other roommate was basically segregated. So she was doing her whole thing with the cup and the fruit and the and pictures the royals. Yeah. and the royals while they were in the other room having sex. Oh, so it's like a, just like a logistical thing. Like, how do we keep these two characters separate and, and not have to interact? I guess so. Okay. And then also, whenever the conspiracy theorist, because that character didn't have a name, and I actually don't even remember the other two characters' names, um, whenever she shows up at the apartment again, she goes to the room, the other roommate's external door, the door that faces the stairwell, and that's when she sees all the blood and the fruit and everything mm-hmm. through the through the door, even though it's got the chain link on it. I don't know why yeah. she went to that door. But right. She did. She was looking for the other one. I just figured somebody would end up getting trapped at some point. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind with of what weird, it felt like it was like, leading to. Yeah, with the weird exits and locks and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a good time with it. It was worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, it was it was nice and short, which I appreciated. Oh, yeah, I saw that 80-minute runtime. like, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's perfect for this type of, like, campy, like, retro horror type thing. Yeah, you don't want to stick around. Like, no. It, it'll overstay its welcome. Um, so yeah, I, I, I enjoyed how funny it was. I wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah, like I said, I wish I had written down some lines cause there's some very good ones, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some questionable ones, but some, some very good yeah, ones too. Yeah. Yeah. Like whenever I, I, I knew that it was going to be about the Epstein shit and like knowing how like that, those kind of people, um, approach political correctness. I was like, how fucked up is it going to get? Mm-hmm. And it was actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was expecting it to get worse. Yeah, I mean this this style of like this style of horror movie has always been about like provoking and even exploitation in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, considering the subject matter and now what I do know about somewhat of the background, 
yeah, they it definitely definitely could have been more more uncomfortable than it was for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um. Do we have anything for next week? I I did come I came with one. Um. In the event that you didn't have another suggestion, but. Uh yeah, I don't have anything. This was okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's uh to stay in the horror ish realm. There's a new film out uh called "We're All Going to the World's Fair." Mm, okay. Yeah, directed by uh Jane Schoenbrunn. Um, it's been been pretty buzzy. Been hearing a lot about it the past couple of weeks, so I thought it'd be uh be cool to check out. Um, it's been compared to Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's film. Oh, interesting. But in in a very interesting way, where it's like I saw one of the letterbox reviews is like this is like Eighth Grade if Burnham had directed it after he made in side his his special um because it has sort of that like dark like horror uh element to it so i'm I'm very intrigued by it it sounds it sounds very cool and also the the score the music was made by um by alex g oh okay yeah so i I thought we could check that out next week i think it's it's on vod now it's been out for for a week or two okay yeah sounds like a plan to me cool um while we're here uh, a couple things we want to talk about um so I, i i'm surprised you didn't see this or maybe you saw it, but you didn't put it in the notes. Um, so you see what's going on with the weekend show? I saw some headlines. I didn't look into specifics, though. Okay. So the weekend, the musical artist, The Weeknd, um, has this HBO project, and uh, it's apparently being like completely redone. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, director Amy Simetz, who we know, um, as the uh. The She Dies Tomorrow director, which we mm-hmm. watched m- months ago at this point, um, uh, she left. She's left the project. She was going to direct all the episodes of it. Um, wow. And uh, after she left, there seems like they're redoing the entire thing. And Did so, I hear that uh, Sam Levinson has an, uh, a larger role now? Yes. Yes. So oh, yeah, yeah. he... <laughs> So he was uh, a producer uh, at the very least on this before, and now he's um, gonna have more of a role in directing. Um, and there is also uh, something about a lot of it being recast as well. And the weird thing is that um, some of, if not all of the episodes that were ordered were already shot. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're just completely redoing this. Yeah, sounds like a um, uh, potential disaster here. Pretty much. And it, it's something uh, that I was initially, like, when they first announced it last year, I was, I was looking forward to it. Because, um, like, obviously The weekend is is um, a very successful artist, like, musically. But if you watch any of his, like, performances or music videos, like, he has a very distinct like aesthetic that he goes for and his stuff is like really well directed and produced and like he's he himself is a good actor and i think like the the like premise of the show would like lend itself to like a lot of the stuff that he's really good at um however like this news here is just like very concerning um to say the least like if you want to talk about like the voices that are attached to a show right so like amy mm-hmm. simetz um Apart from her her movies, like she was the showrunner on uh, the Girlfriend Experience, the Star series, mm-hmm. um, which like the first season of that especially is 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 still one of my favorite seasons of TV. Like it's such a such a good show, and um, 
Um, you know, if you're removing her from the equation and you're replacing her with someone like Sam Levinson, who um, can be quite uh, brilliant at times, but at other times, like if you've seen Euphoria, is is makes some very very questionable choices with like the characters that he writes. Um, mm. Not to mention like the I mean these are mostly rumors and speculation, but there's been some talk about like behind the scenes drama on the set of Euphoria that Levinson mm-hmm. was involved with some of his actors, and I don't know. It's like you take. You, you take uh, a woman out of the equation and you elevate Sam Levinson and it just spells trouble to me. Yeah, especially because so the premise of the show is uh, following, or at least this is the former premise, who, who the fuck knows, um, uh, a female pop singer who starts a romance with an enigmatic L.A. club owner who is the leader of a secret cult. Yes, I should have mentioned that because the premise can lend itself. And again, we haven't we haven't seen it. We don't really know anything. But, you know, just on its surface, like if if handled incorrectly, that sounds like it could be messy. Yes. In in terms of like maybe the dynamics between characters or maybe even like when it comes to like misogyny or stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the people that were involved initially had me very encouraged, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um, there, it says here, this is a, this is from deadlines where I'm getting this, um, Mary Laws, uh, a writer on succession and preacher was planned to write and co-executive produce. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does not say if she is continuing, um, with the project as well. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think one of the main downfalls of Euphoria, especially season two of Euphoria, is that every episode was written and directed by Sam Levinson. Mm, mm. And um, I think I was talking to you uh, off, off you know, a- after the recording about this. But, like, mm-hmm. there are characters based on Levinson's own, like, experiences in life, and, and those are the best characters in the show, and those are the things that really shine um, and, and work well. And then you have like these characters on the periphery that he just doesn't seem to know what to do with and are just like wasted opportunities. And there's some very questionable choices, uh, character wise that are made in, in season two, uh, specifically. And so it's like, I feel like a lot of that would have been, um, avoided if you had like a traditional like writer's room where you just had more voices in on the like mm-hmm. the, the the writing and the process and everything you know um so that's just to say that i'm i'm concerned about this project now yeah i think i think a lot of people on the outside are um i'm, I'm genuinely surprised hbo is even giving them the the leash to like redo a fucking show from like the ground up after it was already filmed you know well, I feel like HBO still is in a spot where they don't want to put a complete disaster on screen, right? Well, I, I just think it would it, it it's more likely usually that something would just never see the light of day than like get a complete Oh, like so redo. they would just scrap it entirely. Yeah. 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 But um, like the weekend is I, such a big name. Like he's like one of the most popular artists in the world. Yeah, and I guess Levinson is And Levinson as well. L- yeah. High off a of euphoria. <laughs> So, <laughs> yes. Um, but yes, yeah, this is a strange one. That um, is interesting to bring up. I wonder if Euphoria is just like exponential, it seems, uh, popularity over the past like number of months has actually led to this opportunity here. Where like if that didn't happen, I wonder if they would have just scrapped it after whatever didn't work with it. It's possible. It's possible. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know. They might have some kind of deal with him in place to develop different shows or, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. It's I'm just bummed that we don't get another Amy Simon show. I know. Yeah. She was going to direct, you know, all, every episode. So mm-hmm. um, release the Simon's cut. There we go. It's out there. <laughs> Somebody has it. 
Yeah. Um, it reminds me of um, Big Little Lies when they brought on, um, I think it was Andrea Arnold to direct like the entirety of season two. And she mm-hmm. actually, they filmed a lot of it and used a lot of her direction, but they reworked so much that like, I think with David E. Kelly, especially like it, it was almost, you could like, she, Andrea Arnold is such a distinct filmmaker and you really, like there were bits and pieces that you could see, but they chopped that up so much because uh, there was like a creative difference there where um, they did so much after she stopped working on it. I think they essentially like forced her to leave the show. I forget the exact circumstances, but, uh, and yeah, and and no, no surprise that Big Little Lies season two was season ended up being quite messy and and not nearly as good as the first. So, mm, mm-hmm. um, do we finally want to talk about the dropout? Sure, this is another okay. thing we, we kind of talked about last week after <laughs> after yeah, recording. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, you no, know, I think it's worth talking about because we both watched the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So this was the Hulu show about the uh, <laughs> the whole um, Theranos uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I was initially. Uh, very lukewarm on it um mostly because it was uh it's based off of i don't know whose podcast it was it was based off a podcast that was sort of just uh factual you know retelling of uh the the events of the downfall of theranos um i think it was like abc or something like that uh sounds right it's definitely like every theranos thing like the documentary on hbo and the series and like probably like a 2020 special like that all spun out of the podcast right yeah so so this was um the first few episodes are kind of just like if you've seen like the hbo documentary or like any other piece about this it just kind of felt like it was just retreading that um it, it, it takes a while for it to kind of find its voice and what it's trying to actually do and say, like, with this story. Um, I disagree, but okay, continue. But, like, when it does, whenever <laughs> it starts to, like, show that this was a situation that was completely off the rails and these were people that should have had no business doing any of this, mm-hmm. uh, then, and, it, like, the more ridiculous it gets, I feel like the better the show becomes. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I don't see that as, as taking time to find what it actually wanted to, it's like its voice to be. I, I found that as like an intentional escalation, right? Because the premiere episode is about Elizabeth Holmes in college. And, you know, it paints this very like reasonable, like, I, I'd even say sympathetic portrait of her as like an adolescent. Um, and then of course, you know, things do fall off the rails, but like there's this buildup to that point and the tonal shift of the series matches that, right? Where it's like, you're sympathetic with Elizabeth in the beginning, you can see how she was led down this path. And then as the, um, like the fraud and the secrets and the lies, uh, continue to pile up and, and Elizabeth and Sonny become more like caricatures, that's when the tone shifts and it becomes very like like almost campy and funny and and ridiculous and i mm-hmm. feel like that matches the like absurdity of the real life events like perfectly if that makes it sense it might it might match it but like in that early going it's like my, my, i couldn't kept help but, but feel like well why do why does this need to be a dramatic adaption whenever we already have the documentary we already have the news specials there was a podcast it's like why does this need to be produced you know Mm-hmm. Um, but then it has that turn mm-hmm. and then like, I feel like that's whenever it finds its footing. Um, because other than that, it is just sort of like, 
rehashing like so if you already know it you know it um yeah but you have to lay the groundwork you can't just like open the show going 100 miles an hour and having everybody act the way they are like halfway through like you have to you have to like set that foundation first i suppose um like it's not until she uh finds her like darth vader voice like they're they're because they're they showed so many parallels to star wars in this fucking (laughs) thing yeah that it was like it was almost genius um so one is whenever she like puts on the voice which is like darth vader putting on the fucking mask Mm -hmm. and she like does that whole thing um the other one is the green juice which is like luke's green lightsaber (laughs) okay And then the kicker is at the fucking Japanese restaurant where the Walgreens guys come in and her and Sonny are sitting there just like Vader and, uh, 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 fuck. No, 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 no. Vader and, um, God, Bounty Hunter. What's his fucking name? Oh, Boba Boba Fett. Fett. Boba Fett at Cloud City. I I have no clue. (laughs) Ready to, ready to ambush Han Solo in Empire. Oh my God. Am I really going to do this? No, I'm sure you're right. I mean, I'm I'm actually surprised that you know the name of a city in Star Wars, but because it's called Cloud City. Uh huh. Hold on. I know Tatooine. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna show this to you, and you're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's from the fucking show. Because like I can't help but feel like this was intentional. So you see, since we're a small operation, we don't fall into the. Well, this looks like the Theranos building. But anyway, yeah, no, you're you're definitely um, you're on to something here. <laughs> so and uh, because, of course, she has the whole the, the Yoda uh, quote mural thing in the office. Mm-hmm. So like they're drawing these parallels between her whole deal and Star Wars. Um, but like just the way that they do it, like it just feels so ridiculous uh, and over the top. Um, so like the whole, that whole Walgreens arc was like the funniest fucking shit. It was, like the, yeah. Like, like the way that Theranos is like trying to play it cool. Um, yeah. And you had the dude from Succession as the Walgreens guy, which was like perfect casting. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's his face from, um, he plays, Ferris uh, Bueller. oh, that's right. He's from Ferris. Bueller. I always forget that. <laughs> I say that to everybody and they're like, oh yeah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, but like in in the same way as the premiere, I felt like the finale had a way of like humanizing Elizabeth without like letting her off the hook in any way, but just like having these moments of like empathy with the character, which had been completely non-existent and for good reason f- throughout most of the, the series that like I, I was saying to this to you last week, it's like you go into the finale, it's like, oh, they're going to get it they're Everything's going to fall, you know, crumble around them and they're finally going to get their comeuppance. But it's like. The show took that away, that the, the pleasure of that away from the viewer, because it's like you're sitting in it with Elizabeth, mm-hmm. you know, because um, there's that moment where she's like outside of the Theranos building and she's like waiting for, I don't know, like a, a, a ride or whatever. And she's just like she's been completely like like uh, like without emotion throughout the entire thing. And she just like lets out like this, this, this scream, like this wailing, you know, like this, this scream. And it's like, uh, I don't know, just like really effective, really effective moments in the finale mm-hmm. that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, they really want you to feel bad for poor Lizzie at the end, you know? <laughs> Um. No, like it, it's 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 not that you feel bad for her. It's just that they 
they don't um it's not she, like finally, she finally drops the mask exactly yeah exactly yeah um but yeah i thought it was i thought it was well done the whole thing uh, yeah you know um i was gonna mention there was uh, the soundtrack in this was very good um some really good choices especially when it came to like the really cringeworthy like office parties or whatever that that sunny and elizabeth would have yeah and there was one episode where they played uh die young by kesha <laughs> Yeah, the the soundtrack was just like, oh my god, this is such time and place mm-hmm. with the Katy Perry and yes, the, the Katy what was Perry. It? Was it like what Feist or whatever from like 2010? Mm-hmm. And just like the iPod shit, and I was like, oh my god. I have to say um, though, I went back and listened to Die Young by Kesha after that episode, and for as abysmal as the lyrics of this song are, just like truly awful, it's so damn catchy. Mm-hmm. And it's like such a, it's like such a, um, like an arena song, you know, like a, yeah. like a sporting event is about to happen type of song, and you you should be excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I did go back and listen to that song, and it's it's very it's very very good and very very bad at the same time. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And and of course the the dancing um, by Amanda Seyfried that matched it was like perfect. Mm-hmm. Just that awkward like stilted Elizabeth Holmes thing where she's like trying to let loose but has no idea how because she's like repressed basically. Yeah. Um, and she and she nails the voice. Oh, completely. When she puts the voice on. Completely. It's, yeah. And you know what I thought was so interesting is that you, um, it's jarring when she lowers her voice uh, for the first time um, in the mm-hmm. show, um, as I'm sure it was in real life <laughs> for the people that knew her. Yeah. But like, uh, after a few episodes of it, you're so used to it. It's like, it's almost like it never even happened. Mm-hmm. Which which is pretty interesting. Um, but I did want to mention, I talked to you about this too, which was one thing that bothered me with this series, which was the fact that um, in the closing credits, they made a point, um, like, you know how after every like thing that's based on true story, they go through like, where's this person at now? And you have like, mm-hmm. you read the text. One of the things was basically how uh, it said how now because of Elizabeth Holmes, uh, it's more difficult for women to become CEOs in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, and like the character of like her, it wasn't her professor, but it was a professor at her college who she spoke to. Her whole like character was based around how like I hate Elizabeth Holmes because she's making it more difficult for women. Mm-hmm. And it's like the show's like trying to make the case that Elizabeth Holmes is the reason that women have a harder time becoming CEOs, which just doesn't doesn't add up to me. No, um, there, there there's a there's another big factor at play. <laughs> Yeah, it starts with a P. Ends with Arky. No, but no, it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's a very much a societal systemic issue. And the show is trying to put the blame on this one person for something that has existed and will continue to exist like before her and will continue to exist after her. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the one point you could make is that, yeah, like now society has a like a better excuse to prevent women from becoming CEOs and that like you can be like kind of what they're going for, but they don't actually like explore that enough no they don't they're like well now because of elizabeth holmes uh women have less opportunities well it's like no maybe the um the people that are in charge of like preventing those opportunities from happening they can use elizabeth as an excuse um but that's about the extent of it right like you can blame elizabeth holmes for a lot of shit but that's not that's not one of the things mm-hmm. um if anything like this show in the beginning does make a point about how elizabeth is very much a product of like that whole like silicon valley like ceo like never say no like mentality like she's on that boat with that that guy right and yeah, he's like giving psychopath. her this 
Yeah, the psychopath, he's giving her this, this, um, like this, like pep talk about how, like, you, if you want it, you have to do whatever it takes to get it. And, like, putting all these thoughts in her head about how, like, a CEO should, um, what, what the lengths that the CEO has to go to to be successful, right? Um, and so she's, like, a product of that. Like, she already, of course, had that, like, ambition and, like, that sort of, like, personality type that got herself, like, in this situation. But, like, there is a larger, like, culture. And she's far from the only person that, has fallen down this path, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That just like kind of annoyed me where it's like, because um, was it the show or was it, did I see it somewhere else where it's like uh, some, one of the pieces of advice that a woman was given while she was trying to like get investors for a company was like, oh, you should change your hair color because it looks too much like Elizabeth Holmes. Was that I, part of the show or uh, did I hear that somewhere else? It might've been in the show. Because it's like, okay, yeah, so that's people using Elizabeth Holmes as a reason to oppress, not as the, not as like the root cause of it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If that makes any sense. But yeah, that kind of bothered me a bit. Um, Otherwise, I really liked it. It was, it was very entertaining. It was like serious when it had to be, but also just like completely absurd and the tone matched like the absurdity of the real life events. Like it's one of those Mm -hmm. things where it's like, if this was entirely fictional, it would be tossed aside as like unbelievable, right? Right, right, right. But because it is based on real stuff, you can turn these these characters into caricatures because that's what they deserve. And mm-hmm. that's the only way it would work. Yeah. When you have somebody putting on a Muppet voice to try to, you know, <laughs> and trying to be like literally try to act like Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. like it is that ridiculous. So, um, but at the same time, it has that scene where, um, uh, his name was, I think Ian Gibbons, the, the man, the, the chemist who committed suicide. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who's, who's played by Stephen Fry. <laughs> yes. So good in this. Um, and then Elizabeth learns about the fact that he killed himself and she's like in the middle of a meeting and she's like grappling with that internally. And she's got like this little finger puppet that she's like designed for like children at Walgreens when they're getting their their Theranos tests and there's just this moment where it's like she's right before she turns completely cold and she's like okay we need to move on from this I don't really care she has this moment with the finger puppet and it's like completely vulnerable and 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 like she's like devastated by it but it's just like a split second because she can turn it off yeah right she can turn it off in an instant like she's like a sociopath in that way I don't know if she really was a sociopath that's kind of what the the show is portraying her as in in certain in certain um scenes but like that that moment really had like a lot going on mm-hmm. and i thought that was so good yeah um but yeah we have barry here but we are approaching the two hour mark okay um uh, i think we should save that for next week mostly because i watched the premiere of this season mm-hmm. but i didn't remember a fucking thing that had yeah happened I, I dove right into um and I, I i feel like the show sort of simplified the sort of um aftershocks of everything that went down in the season two finale like the aftermath of it and the consequences and, and where they were distributed and i i felt like that was such a smart move because they realize it's been three three whole years, years and it's like, okay, we need to hit the ground running. And also we need to take into account the fact that we left off at this very significant place. And a lot of people probably are not going to remember it. Um, and I thought that worked like really well. Like they were able to be like, okay, this is who took the fall for this thing happening. And this is where these characters are at. And now we're moving on and we're moving forward, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was picking it up slowly, 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 but I was still like, I, I don't remember everything that I feel like I need to remember. And so I feel like I have to go back and rewatch it. Like how much of it? All of it. All of it? Yeah. <laughs> All of it. Hey, it's a great show. Uh, it's worthwhile. It is. But so I, I feel like I need to do that. 
Okay, so I guess we'll have to hold our our sponsorship for next week because we were gonna do <laughs> we were gonna do the sponsored segment for uh, flaky critters <laughs> breakfast cereal, but uh, I guess we'll <laughs> we'll hold off on that for now. Ohio State football. Yes. Um. So yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us. Okay. Because it's been two hours. <laughs> oh God, it has. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I do have a couple notes here. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with the weird runtime thing for episode 50. Um, on some of the feeds, it was saying it was like f- almost four hours long. Um, it's just not, it is not that long. It was only like an hour and 15, um, which is actually on the shorter side for us, which is, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the correct version that's up there. So it is it is not, if, if, you're, if your player says that it's like almost four hours long, uh, don't worry about it. Um, Somebody's like they really went all out for this 50th episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's causing that. I don't, I don't know. Like you can even check the YouTube one because it uses the same audio and like that one's fine. So um, yeah, it is not. It is not four hours long. Um, I've started making some preparations for a, a live stream version of the Dead and Road Show. Um, we have to figure out exactly what we're doing uh, for that whole business. But I've been making some uh, graphics packages we can use uh so keep an eye out for that uh that's still pretty early on but um yeah i figured i'd relay an update uh for some new things uh since it's season two now um and also i was just wondering if um it makes any sense for me to like reactivate and like properly set up the dead and Red discord server if anybody would be potentially interested in that um, like if no, nobody wants I, to use I the email. I think you should just you should just make a, a dead end road Tumblr. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Yeah. It's where all the it's where all the active user bases. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, but yeah, Discord might be a good idea. Okay. Um, yeah, because email might be two nineties for people. I mean we won't be getting any yeah. less mail on Discord, <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, Actually, yeah, that might I not be true because we did get like one or two emails, and we we could get zero theoretically. So yeah. Um, well, obviously, I wouldn't be deleting the email account. Of course, uh, yeah. We, so, um, so yeah, that's something I will consider, and I will keep everybody updated. Uh, so yeah, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Dinner Road because that's a burgeoning platform right here. Facebook.com/slash Dinner Road TV, Twitch.tv/slash Dinner Road TV, and do a YouTube search for Dinner Road TV. You know, I was I was looking at um, the Spotify page for like their weekly new releases, like podcasts that they feature, like the the ones that they they boost and they curate and they highlight. Mm-hmm. And right up there was this new one called Dead End. Oh, what the fuck, man! Uh, it's like I think some kind of true crime thing. Um, so a little bit concerning there, but. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I just want one win, you know, just one. It might be like a limited series. Who knows? Well, the one thing about this show is that it hasn't been limited. It hasn't been limited yet. <laughs> oh, God. Just one win. Uh, email us anything at video at dinner.co. If you have I time, think we should rename our show the Joe Rogan Experience. That'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't have any lawyers or anything. That, that won't. He's only got, what is it, 400 million from Spotify? Yeah, that's, that'll, that'll go well. Uh, give us a rating if the podcast app of your choice allows you to do so, like Apple Podcasts. I still got to check to see if anybody's done that. Uh, that's on my to-do list. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening.